Hello, everyone, and welcome to Three Speech, the entertainment podcast that also follows the rule of three. It's two friends, three topics, and unlimited pop culture. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm your host, Alyn. And today's big three, we are going to be talking about the Netflix uh, fantasy comic book adaption, Jupiter's Legacy. Normally the first three episodes, but we were bingy and we've got the whole season for you. The first part of HBO's other fantasy series, The Nevers. We get a lot of like sci-fi fantasy going on today. We have a genre and that we we enjoy, I guess. I know that must be it. And then, uh, if you consider zombies fantasy, we've also got uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Um, as a reminder, uh, first of all, we are not professionals, so we will likely get some things wrong and make a few mistakes here and there. And also, there will be spoilers as we go through our many threes. So um, to start with today, I want to mention that this is actually the second time that we're recording this uh, particular episode. The first time we tried recording through Discord, and the basic reason for this was was kind of my fault, was that I had heard in a number of different places that Discord is a better option for recording if you have two people who are not in the same room. And to be honest with you, the recording quality on Discord was far and away superior to what you get yes. on Skype. Yes. And so so and we did test it. We don't want we you did. to think tested it for a few minutes, seemed fine, and then I listened to it and we had some technical issues that we just couldn't overcome, so we had to take the episode down and we're re-recording it for you um and for us. But I think if anyone knows why there were issues with Discord or has have uh, more experience with it, that would be helpful to us. Yeah, to sort of give an idea of what happened is we had a few issues where, one, we had um, a repetitive sound in the background that sounded like that just kept kind of coming and going. That was one issue that we had. That one, if it was that by itself, I probably just would have overlooked it. Yeah. That one wasn't too bad. The second thing that happened was we actually had the sound drop in a few places. So there would be noticeable areas of, you know, two or three seconds of silence. And then the third thing that I noticed upon re-listening to it was there were a few places where there were a few uh, seconds of silence. And then suddenly everything that was said during those three seconds was said very quickly all on top yes. of each other. Yes. Um. So it like the recording blipped and then caught up do you know what i mean uh all very quickly um we were using a bot in order to do our recording and the bot's name was craig and um i blame craig for everything yes, he's so dumb. we yeah. hired him You're it's done. also it's also possible that discord wasn't the issue but craig was the issue but i don't know any other way to record through discord other than the the bot so if anyone knows anything about discord recording and or whether or not these are known issues with craig the bot please um, come to our social media and let us know because we would love to be able to use Discord for our recording reliably because the sound quality was a million times better. You know, with Skype, when we talk at the same time, it mutes one of us. Do you know what I mean? And um, we end up with a lot of like sort of one of us dropping out when the other talks and then vice versa. You never, you didn't get that with Discord. It recorded both lines of um, dialogue or audio separately and it sounded really good, but we just couldn't abide by the numerous glitches. They were they were unforgivable. And it was. It was a tough decision. We went back and forth trying to figure out if we should do it, put a disclaimer. But, you know, we, we have said we are not professionals, but we are trying to be a professional podcast. So, you know, like Jamie said, we just couldn't overlook all of the issues that popped up. So here we are again. Yep. And um, we might be a little less off the cuff than usual, but um, we will try our best. So um, let's go into and talk about our little threes, shall we? Oh, yes. So we've got um, three basic trailers here today. Uh, so we're very trailery. And um, the first one is a trailer for a Netflix movie called Awake. And the main reason why I wanted to include this one is I just found the whole thing so freaking weird. <laughs> um, and so if you haven't watched the trailer for Awake, I highly recommend watching it just for your own entertainment because it's basically got two side-by-side storylines that run alongside each other that make no sense together. Right. And the two side-by-side storylines are something, something electronics 
satellites falling and then all electronics stop working. So like cars stop working and everything like that. So you have no electronics, satellites fall from the sky, which by itself would have been an interesting, maybe like apocalyptical, dystopian kind of thing going on. Right. Like a commentary on our over-reliance on electronics. Sure. Yeah. But then running right alongside that, something about whatever event that happens to cause all the electronics to die also makes it so no one can sleep. Which, you know, I was thinking about it and we, science says that we use a lot of electronics and screens and we should stop using them before bed to help us sleep. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of contrary to what science is saying. You would think we would sleep more if we weren't stimulated by electronics. Right. Yeah. This is a really bizarre message in this trailer. Mm -hmm. And then it has this very like, I'm going to say it's a trope, a bit of a stereotype. Very dramatic. Very, very dramatic. Where there's one little girl who can sleep. And so apparently she's immune to whatever anti-sleep disease is is passing through everyone and you know it comes across I'm gonna go with a little hokey maybe Hmm. but um it was enough that I'm sort of I'm sort of interested because I just don't understand how these two things connect and I kind of want to see if the movie has an answer for me or not do you know what I mean right and the and the thing is with the little girl you know she declares quite emphatically that she can sleep and that's a it's you know, a while huge, crying yeah and, while crying like good job little kid with acting um but does she realize by saying that like she's probably gonna get like experimented on to the point where she may die because that's what happens yes in, and in fact that actually did just happen in a very well-known video game that's being remade for hbo as a tv show called the last of us oh uh, that's like the exact <laughs> plot see <laughs> You're right. It is very much a trope. Also, I guess I've been getting feedback that we say trope a lot. It's like, well, give us another word then. I'm sorry. If you want us to stop saying trope, you need to stop using them. Yeah, exactly. It's not on us. It's on you, society. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, um, go watch the Awake trailer just for your own bemusement. And um, I'm thinking we'll watch this one when it comes out because I think we just need to know what the heck is going on with this. It might be one of those hate watches as a list. Yes. Yes. I like to call it a good, bad movie. Like, Uh you know, you know, you think it's going to be bad. It probably is, but it's not trying to be a great movie. It's just being what it is. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's actually, uh, coming out June 9th. So, Right around the corner. Yeah, not too far away. And it's just, uh, you know, it's very strange to me because Jennifer Jason Lee is in this movie. And she was also in uh, The Woman in the Window recently, also another Netflix movie. And I'm really starting to question her her choices in <laughs> film. <laughs> like, So I'm like, is this another movie? Does she owe Netflix something? Like, did she not pay her subscription for a few months or whatever, because, you know, she's not, I mean, I think everyone remembers Jennifer Jason Lee from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but since then, she's really picky Mm -hmm. about what she does, so Woman in the Window, horrible, Awake doesn't look like it's winning any awards either, so that's probably the most interesting casting choice that's making me think, hmm... It's also interesting how Netflix seems to just gobble up certain actors and actresses and put them in everything for a solid year. Oh, yeah. Like they just keep reappearing and and like it's almost like they sign a contract not to make a certain show, but to work for a certain amount of time, you know, and Netflix like, okay, we've got you for the next 18 months. You're going to be in these three things. Right. It's like the old Hollywood system where you work for a studio and you just did whatever the studio wanted you to do until your contract was done. Everything comes back around, Lynn. Yes, Everything. yes. Old Hollywood is new Hollywood. So, yeah. but like Jamie said, we will watch it. Um, expectation set pretty low. So mm-hmm. I'm going to guess we're going to enjoy it. That's my prediction. We'll see you in a couple weeks. All right. Fair enough. 
trailer two out of three is uh, going even weirder here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this would be a trailer for um, The Green Knight, which is based on a 13th century novella, which is probably just a written down uh, version of an oral tradition from Arthurian legend called Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. And um, this one is just so wackadoodle because, first of all, it's done by a studio that's known for wackadoodle. Oh, yes. A24, was it? It is. It is. And they're known for making, I mean, they make Oscar-nominated pictures. Like, they were involved with Moonlight, um, Minari. So they have some definite award cred. But they're also the studio that brought you um, Midsommar, mm-hmm. Hereditary, hereditary mm-hmm. like things that you ha- are burned into your head where you can just never want to watch it again because it was that traumatic. Yeah. This so studio you, doesn't shy away from things. Right. So you wonder, will the Green Knight be something that is going to traumatize or is it going to be something that delights well here's the thing if you go back and actually read sir gawain and the green knight which i have and it was a long time ago so my memory of it is shady at best it is not necessarily a traumatic piece of literature but it is definitely way out there and weird and the problem with a lot of these like old arthurian kind of things is and this goes back to like oral tradition in general is oral tradition of storytelling had a different purpose than storytelling that has now, you know, some oral tradition was to teach people the Bible or oral tradition was to remember names. Like any of you who have ever read like the Iliad, the Iliad is full of names. It's like Joe, son of Fred, Fred, son of Steve, you know, Steve, <laughs> son of Mike. And it just goes on and on and on. And part of the reason it does that is so that there, people remember people's family line you know like the oral tradition of storytelling is weird stuff that it does right and sir going in the green knight is is a story that is not meant to be like a rousing arthurian tale about finding treasure or whatever it's it's about honor and what type of person you should be if you are going to emulate the knights of old so like this would be what I would maybe say would be unfilmable because it's just super weird and makes no sense. Do you want the synopsis, Alain? I will take the synopsis. I'm actually looking at it right now. It appears to be 83 pages. Yeah, it's not that long. No. Um, block, so- block paragraphs. <laughs> um, we don't even know who actually wrote it. Like, yeah, we don't know who wrote it. wrote it down at some point. It looks, uh, and when I say poetic, I mean it looks like it's structured like a poem. Um, yeah, probably like a free verse ballad is be if you want to get technical. Right. Um, yeah. But um, what is it about? Because I didn't. It really... might have rhythm and meter. Um, a lot oh. of that, a lot of that stuff. It, it could, it could have some rhythm and meter. If you, if you count the syllables in a couple of the lines and the syllables come out the same, uh, there could be a standard meter to it. Oh, now um, I'm picturing the guy from the The Witcher, perhaps <laughs> playing a jaunty tune by the fireside with Hen- Henry. Ca- pages. <laughs> yeah, and Henry Cavill, like you know, he's got his arm around me to keep me warm. It's like, oh, okay. Okay, Go this ahead. Went, yeah. This went yeah. in a direction. It's in a direction. I'm enjoying the direction. But so what? <laughs> what? So and, and this is from someone who I've never read Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. I Why watched, would you? I yeah. I mean, I watched the trailer. It has Dev Patel in it, who's always going to be the kid from Slumdog Millionaire to me. Right. And there's a guy that looks like a tree. That would be the Green Knight. Yeah, and then he just says, like, one year. And then there's, like, all of this stuff going on where it's like, oh, what am I going to do? And then it's, like, presented by. That's my synopsis, knowing absolutely nothing about it. Yeah, you're on the right track. So basically, (laughs) basically the Green Knight shows up at King Arthur's court to challenge them to a game, which is super fun and involves taking swords and swinging them at each other randomly. Mm -hmm. And um, the Green Knight says, you can take a sword... And just basically take a free shot at me, except one year from now, I have to be allowed to take the same shot at you. And King Arthur doesn't really want to play this game. Um, I don't think the knights really want him to play either because it seems sort of shady. I mean, you know. Well, yeah, if someone knocked on your door, 
hi, would you like to stab me? But one year later I get to stab you. Like it's, uh, it's such a, it's, this is the premise. And this is why I say it's sort of like weirdly unfilmable because it's bizarre because like if someone did that, you'd be like, no, no. And you'd door and that would be the end of it. But yeah, pretty much. (laughs) But, um, but Gawain kind of stands up and says, sure, I'll stab this dude. (laughs) And he takes his sword and instead of stabbing him, he just chops off his head and oh. then the Green Knight picks his head up off the floor and leaves. And as then one, as one does when they're decapitated. Right, exactly. And then Gawain, uh, in that moment, and and not before, but in that moment, realizes he screwed up, you know, um, and and says, "Well, darn, I guess I have a year to live." Uh, to his his credit and honor, he goes on this journey to go seek out the Green Knight at the place where they're supposed to meet for the beheading. Um, and, you know, enco- encounters many hardships and something that I'm remembering is I believe that he, he finds a castle when he is, you know, sort of starving and cold and it's Christmas. I want to say it was on Christmas or Christmas Eve or something like that. It's very symbolic. Everything is symbols. Mm. He finds this castle and he goes into the castle and he meets the Lord and lady of the castle and they want to play a fun game with him, too, because it went so well for him the first time he agrees. <laughs> and the fun game this time is that the lord of the castle is going to go hunting every day for three days. And he will come back and he will give Sir Gawain everything he gets while he's hunting. Sir Gawain is going to stay in the castle and presumably do I don't know what. But he will give the lord everything he gets while he's in the castle, which is weird because doesn't the castle already belong to the lord why would Gawain get anything like, at all that didn't yeah. already like? <laughs> yeah, none of none of this makes sense. No. But, uh, okay. no, no, because it's not supposed to, right? <laughs> so, because um, it's not about storytelling here; it's about honor. And uh, so, you know, the the Lord goes out every day and he he bags some animals or something like pheasants and deer and boars and things and brings them back to Gawain. But the three days that Gawain is in the tower or in the castle. He's basically fending off the Lord's wife who keeps trying to seduce him. The first day she kisses him once, the second day she kisses him twice, and the third day she kisses him three times. So at the end of the day, when the Lord comes back to the castle, Gawain gets the pheasants and everything that the Lord gives him. And then he turns around and kisses the dude once, twice, and three times because that's what he while staying in the castle. All right. And like, so the, the king of the castle is okay with his lady? doing this like uh, uh, i'm get, like if i don't know i'd be like okay first kiss that's fine second kiss i'd be like all right how what is our marriage is our marriage okay yeah like, well yeah. beyond that on the third day the lady of the castle also gives gawain a fashionable belt that he can wear and be invincible to death or harm so that this is a test obviously the test was that the belt is something that could save him from the Green Knight. So if he keeps it, he will be able to survive the Green Knight's attack. But he made this deal with the Lord of the castle to give him everything that he received while he was in there. And if he doesn't give him the belt, it will be a mark on his honor. Right. It'll be like a lie. Okay. And Gawain doesn't give up the belt. He Uh-oh. keeps it. And then he goes to face the Green Knight. And as a parallel to what happened in the tower, the Green Knight takes three swings at Gawain's neck with an axe, I think, or a sword. And the first swing was a fane. He doesn't touch him. The second one is a fane. And then the third one, he cuts Gawain. Now, he doesn't kill him, but he cuts him. And then the Green Knight turns into the Lord from the castle and says, Lord Gawain, you besmirched your honor by not giving up that belt. So I had to hurt you on the third slash. And then Gawain is all humiliated and his honor is ruined. And he basically mopes back to King Arthur's court. And that's the end. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm going to say honor some more because it's about honor. It's all about honor. I just picture this. I know I, I I looked at it, but I picture it being like written on a napkin. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, 
Okay, and I picture also someone being very drunk, like, all right, and then he kisses the wife three times. Right, exactly. It, it's got this weird aspect to it because the whole point is not actually to tell a cohesive story, right? They're not following the, the no. rules of storytelling. The whole point is to talk about honor and lying and, you know, honor. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what happens in the story. They can do whatever they want. And thus you have Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. And I just don't know how much of this weird, unnatural storytelling metaphor nonsense the actual movie is going to dip into, especially the kissing. Yeah, it almost feels like I don't know if you've ever watched Drunk History. Um. Yes, I have. Doesn't it kind of feel like that could be a drunk history thing? Like, yes. and then he gives her a belt. He gi- she gives him a belt. Right. <laughs> like three kisses, you know. <laughs> you know. So, I mean, I will watch it for you. Like that's, Aww. you know, you know what I mean. Like I'll watch it so we can talk about it because I know how excited you are about We're it. We're probably gonna walk away from it and be like, well, that was a something. That was a thing. <laughs> That was a that was a movie. So yeah. yeah. Hey, I will always come back to my friend Norvell's uh, system for rating movies, and he actually listens, so he might be listening. But Ooh. he always said, if you're gonna rate a movie, and it say it's from one to ten or one to five or whatever, five stars or whatever, he said, did you make the movie? And if you made it, you get one star <laughs> because that is an accomplishment in and of itself. And it doesn't matter how bad the movie is. Did you make a movie? one star yeah thanks norvell yeah that that, those are wise words yes wise indeed yeah because how many people how many writers directors producers try to get a movie done and it never happens never happens that's right so So. did you make the movie one star minimum (laughs) all right so um moving on i think maybe perhaps let's uh our last trailer for the day, which is the Loki recap trailer. And this one's a little bit different because it's it's sort of a trailer for Loki, which is coming to Disney Plus in June, I think. Yeah. June but, 8th? I want to say June 8th. Okay, so we're getting there. Um, but at the same time, it's also kind of a um, recap of everything that happened with Loki, which I think is kind of funny because it sends the message that the Marvel Universe has, has been getting a little bit convoluted, and you might think to yourself, didn't Loki die? Pretty sure Thanos killed Loki, and you would be right, except then there was time traveling, and some past version of Loki stole the Tesseract and got away, so now that Loki is the star of this show, and I think we just need to catch everybody up, and thus, here's the trailer. Right, and for anyone who doesn't know, it's a, it's a really playful 30 seconds of catching everyone up to over what 12 years of movies yeah it's definitely worth watching it's cute it's well done but it was almost like a a little bit of a chuckle because it needed to happen in the first place you know what i mean right and so i i was wrong i'm going to admit it it's june 9th june 9th it comes out so that happens to be a a wednesday correct good job jamie but yeah i mean so Loki's coming out, continuing the Marvel uh, takeover of of Disney and all. Like, has Disney? No, they have. I shouldn't say that. Disney has produced other television shows that are not Marvel. They're just not as successful. Star Wars. Yeah, the Star Wars. Mandalorian. Mandalorian. And then then they have, and I I haven't watched it yet. They have like the Mighty Ducks continued. Oh. Um. They have a lot of animated stuff too, you know, like a lot a lot of people like the Bad Batch and the Clone Wars stuff and stuff like that. You know, they've got different things going on with animation. But definitely I feel like Marvel is their their anchor because Yeah. You know, it, it it's like at that point now where everything is stripped off the other streaming services. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There, you know, there's no more transition where, oh, this one's gonna end. It's run on this time. Everything is there. Marvel arguably is their most popular commodity at this moment. Mm-hmm. And people are subscribing to like you and I don't have children. Just fuzzy but, ones. Yeah. Just, yeah. We have fuzzy, we have fur babies, mm-hmm. but we're subscribing to Disney because we want to see all of these right. Marvel and Star Wars uh, continuations, like, 
I mean, if I had kids, I definitely have it because you can put on anything that's been created. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they even have like stuff that when we were younger, like Rescue Rangers is on there, Darkwing Duck. Oh, I know. You know, there's Dale, huh? Yeah. Like all of those Tailspin. fun. Oh, bears. Oh, it's all that good stuff. Oh, so good, man. The memories. So, I mean, it's like, good job, Disney, for diversifying and making making uh, adults want to subscribe and giving us reason to. Right. So, Loki definitely looks like it's going to be a good watch. I don't know if it's going to be a half hour or an hour we'll see. type of show, you know, because... There were some episodes of Wanda. WandaVision was like normally a half hour. Yeah, some of those were painfully short, I felt. Like I yes. wanted, wanted them to be longer. Yeah. So, and Falcon and Winter Soldier, pretty much solid over like 45 minutes plus. Yeah, those were a, a lot chunkier and I liked it. I did too. I really did. I felt like I was watching a movie every week. Yeah. Yeah. So, to be seen with Loki, but definitely exciting. We'll probably review the first three. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point in June, once we get those first three under the belt, but definitely looking forward to Mr. Mischief himself. Yay. That was nice. All right. <laughs> Shall we move on to the big three? Big three incoming. Yeah, these are biggies. These are yeah. pretty big. Um, Okay, so the first one we have is Jupiter's Legacy. And as we discussed a little bit last week or whenever that last podcast was, um, Jupiter's Legacy is a Mark Miller property that Netflix purchased when they purchased what's known as like the Millerverse or the Miller World. Like they basically purchased the rights to his stuff. And um, they are looking to do lots of different adaptions with his stuff. And um, this is the first one that's come out. And it's a very interesting adaption. Uh, Miller was involved in it. I was reading quite extensively. And he actually got advice from a bunch of people who were also involved in comic book adaptions like James Gunn on how to do this one. And it was originally supposed to be a trilogy of movies. And it was actually James Gunn who suggested not to do that and push Miller towards the more uh, episodic you know, kind of push, um, which I think worked out pretty well for this one. Um, it is a little bit on the slow side. It didn't mm. bother me, but I know it, it bothered Alyn a little bit, or I, I could see how it would bother other people because a lot of it is very philosophical and based in the idea of whether or not superheroes should kill this, this code that they have. And they do a lot of, um, ruminating on this and discussing it and for me that philosophical stuff is kind of interesting i liked the debate um but i know for some people it might be a bit slow did you did you find it slow i i did find it slow in that you know um i didn't expect the show to be the way it was the structure it was i guess i was thinking more it was going to be you know, the old, I don't want to say old superheroes, but, you know, they are the the elder statesmen. I thought it was going to be them passing the torch to the younger generation. And I had to get used to the format of it the show. It kept jumping back and forth in time. Right. Which at first was kind of distracting. But then by the end, I actually was more invested in the past yes. stuff. And that made that really interesting i will say like the last three or three or four episodes of this especially the last three were really good and it it had this maybe slow build but the payoff was really good right i mean i think for me it was slow at the beginning i was a little distracted um and i know that we've talked amongst ourselves about this the the costuming was a little hokey yeah it was hokey it was very reminiscent of uh, something you would see on the CW, like their whole universe of DC that they have, um, you know, and it was interesting when they showed how this union of justice of all of these superheroes got their powers, but it took a good three episodes for them to get in the place where they were try they would travel to an island right. to get these powers. And I get it, it tried to fit the creation of the superheroes into the historical timeline as we know it, 
with, uh, you know, 1929, the Great Recession, Wall Street collapsing, all of that. So they were trying to fit it in to history so that we would understand where these characters were coming from, how they were reacting to basically the collapse of the economy as we know it. But it was just kind of like, okay, like you kind of felt like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go. Because there was there seemed to be so much more story to tell. And part of what you're experiencing there is the actual truth of the matter. And, you know, not to to give away any spoilers here, because I think it has the potential to actually be really epic. The comic um, aspect of this, basically what they did for the show was they adapted two different comics. They adapted the normal Jupiter's Legacy comic, but they also adapted an additional comic that was based in the prequel stuff that was actually written at a different time. It wasn't part of the original comic. And so they took that story from the past and worked it into the, the original comic um, simultaneously. And the effect of that was that they weren't, or they didn't want to, or they weren't able to, they didn't want to maybe get very far in the story of the actual comic. And there are some really big, really important spoilers that happen in that comic very quickly. I think it's like by by comic issue five, the whole world is different. Mm-hmm. And lots of things have happened. Very spoilery things that are gasp worthy. And um, if they basically take the show and use all of that build up and world building and character building that they have done and then drop those bombs on you at the beginning of a season two, it would potentially be amazing. Um, And I know I told Lynn what those spoilers were, and even she was sort of like, oh, wow, I really hope they get a season two now. And Right. I'm not that good of an actress that I I can't do it again. I'm not Meryl Streep. But I would really hope, based on the spoilers that you've shared, that Netflix gives this another go. I mean, it's almost as though they've set a chessboard. We know all the pieces and what they do, and now it's time to let them move amongst the board. Yeah, exactly. And there's going to be some extreme movement here. And in, in honest, in all honesty, it almost feels like, because I know Mark Miller was involved in the show, it almost feels like he's making a show maybe he I don't know if he regrets it or not I'm not going to say that but like maybe he feels like if he had built up these characters a bit more and showed their normal lives a bit more in the comic that those major spoilers would have had more weight and so in order to try that out he's doing it in the show you know and he's building up these characters and we're really getting a good sense of them and who they are and we get a good sense of why um, Brandon, the son, is very conflicted and we get a good sense of why he's fighting with his father, Sheldon. We get a really good sense of um, the father's brother, Walter, and why he's, you know, ultimately not a good person. And we get Chloe's, you know, drug addiction and all of this stuff. And we get like all of these really good builds. And so when you start to really basically smash that chessboard against the wall because you've spent eight episodes building these characters up, the weight of that might actually be really good. So it's possible that this could be an amazing second season, but it kind of sucks because we literally just talked about this with Mortal Kombat not that long ago, where I'm not a huge fan of a lot of buildup for a potential second season that might not happen. So, or like with Mortal Kombat, you didn't get the combat in the first movie, like the yeah, there's the no tournament. tournament. There's right. no tournament. I was too distracted by like sombreros sawing people in half and things like that. And I was like, oh, wait, there wasn't a tournament. Yeah. And I kept waiting for the tournament to happen. And I was like, OK, is it coming? Is it coming? Yeah. Is it coming? You just need to show like a shiny object to me and I'll be distracted. And that's that's what ended up happening. But with Jupiter's Legacy. Sorry, we got, we got dogs barking uh, with Jupiter's Legacy. You're invested in the characters. Yeah, you, you want, really are. You want, like, Mortal Kombat, not so much. Like, no. I didn't care about these characters and if they lived or died. But, you know, you see the love story 
you see that Grace and Sheldon have been together for like a hundred years or something yeah, like, like 60 hundred years. years, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they love each other and you know, they're trying to be good parents to their children and they're trying to ensure that their children do the right things while they're trying to adapt to this, not a new world, but an evolving world. Obviously there's going to be different changes in um, moralities and ethics as, as, society changes and whether that changes for the better or not so there's a lot of uh, as you said a lot of philosophical questions that are going on um i'm imagining that there's going to be there were a lot of um, minor characters that also existed within the show i don't know if they're going to be fleshed out but something tells me there's a whole cast of characters that can be used um and to get to know because, you know, I forget the name of the um, there was one superhero and we just know that she dated Brandon. Oh, and yeah. Was yeah. It, it, it might have been Ruby because I know she dressed in red. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few of these like that kind of pop in and out. And you had like, for example, also the um, like minor. I don't know if I want to call them bad guys who were running around with. uh Oh, gosh, the son of, um, I remember, I think it was... Oh, Sky Fox's son? Yes, exactly. Oh, what was his name? This is horrible. Was it Hutch? Yes, yeah, Hutch. Okay. And he he doesn't have any powers. I, or I think he does, and he's hiding them. You think he does? Oh, I think he does, and he's hiding them. I don't know. Uh, I I mean, that would make sense. I honestly don't know that. I don't know that from the comics or anything. I just, my impression was, I think he's... I think he's got them and it's it's buried or something or he doesn't want to use them because it's super extreme or something like that. And I'm also thinking because they showed a lot of the the children of the um, Union of Justice, all of them had powers. Yeah. So in theory, you could have a third generation with powers if this is genetic now, you know, that, that could start spreading out. Right. Because even. um Walter had a daughter and they never showed who the mother was, but that daughter had powers. Right. So even if it's not within the, uh, another superhero, it appears that as long as one is a superhero, the other will get the powers. So Sky Fox, superhero, mother, unknown, Hutch should technically have superhero powers right if it follows the same system as walter for sure right yeah Mm -hmm. because the other i know the daughter there was a a daughter of the guy who helped them get into black star's brain right raiku right yeah the daughter's name was raiku but even um the scientist the one who knew how to work all of the the different equipment he had a daughter and i don't Mm -hmm. think the mother was there no, because he was another one that went on the journey to the island with them. Right, because there's only one woman, and uh, I think, Jamie, you need to point out that there were a lot of uh, expeditions that didn't succeed. Yeah, and- that was my first thought was, it was the woman, it was Grace, who pointed out that at the end, all the other expeditions killed each other. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I said, I like to hope that this expedition was the one that succeeded because it was the first time a woman had been brought along. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's true. So, I mean, there's a lot of other things that they could have introduced that we didn't know was important, but... You know, we've got the main characters on lock where we want to know what is going to happen. We see where the battle lines are drawn. We see where the struggles are. And now the question, if the second season is going along with the comic book, it's just it's going to change the entire direction of the show in an exciting way. Yeah, it should be amazing. So I kind of really hope that we get some information soon on whether or not this has been renewed. My initial hope was that um, they had already renewed it for multiple seasons before they even got going. So um, I'm hoping that that's the case and we're just not being told appropriate information yet. You know what I mean? No, and I mean, Netflix does that too. They're kind of quiet on what's renewed and what isn't. I mean, in four months, we could see something like, oh, they're filming Jupiter's Legacy season two. It's like, I didn't even know that was renewed. Right, exactly. That could happen. 
So let's hope it does as a way to transition. Fingers crossed. Yeah, because it it could be really cool. And if you haven't seen this one, I think think we're going to give this one maybe like a two thumbs up. I mean, I'm giving it a thumbs up. I know it's slow. I would say stick with it. I think it's worth it. Alin, do you give it a thumbs up? I would give it a thumbs up. I would just caution, just let a couple episodes, get a couple episodes under your belt. And then there's going to hit a point probably around episode four or five where you're just going to go straight into binge mode because you want to see what happens. Yep. That's exactly what happened with me. I think I watched the last three episodes in the same day. Yeah. I just couldn't stop. I just wanted to, I just needed to know where that went and uh, it would, it did not disappoint. So very nice. Very nice. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take like a, we're going to, we're going to go down a hill here. This is going (laughs) to slope downward. Um, from Jupiter's legacy, we're going to talk about the nevers and, um, this is, this is going to be the end of the nevers. I know we've, we've brought the nevers up before, but, um, it's worth discussing the end because it had kind of a, a turn to it. Ha ha. I made a pun because the oh, turn. Cause it's a turn. Oh, uh, you. <laughs> I'm so clever. Okay. Oh, you're so, hilarious. Right. So, <laughs> um, and, and the thing is here is that Alin and I are sort of a little bit split on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think ultimately we do come to an agreement. I think that the place that the nevers went, which was the future, extremely far in the future, was actually a really cool idea, but that they didn't execute it properly. And that, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Alin, but I think you are sort of iffy on the whole thing. Right. I mean, I was kind of watching it. You get thrown into, not thrown, but you're deposited in this Victorian era. And you're trying to figure out the, the different factions. Who 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 has uh, possesses a turn? Who's anti-turn? Who's pro-turn? Who's neutral about it? Who are these people who are taking the turned off the streets? And I was just getting used to that aspect of it when the show went in a completely different direction. Aliens. Yes. Yeah, that was the direction. Now. My argument is that the direction it went was not bad, and I actually kind of liked it, but my main argument is that this should have been the first episode in the season and not the last. Mm -hmm. And I think that the main reason why I say that is because, first of all, um, you as an audience member are so confused about what everyone is talking about for most of the season, that it's actually yes. gets to the point of distraction. And if they had put this episode first and you saw who Amalia originally was in the future, trying to save a special alien called the Galanthi, who is trying to help humanity survive. And then as a last ditch effort, the Galanthi decides to transport Amalia and itself back to the past in order to change the past, in order to change the future kind of a thing, I think if you had seen that first, you would have had an entirely different investment in the show, and everything after that would have been different, especially Malady. I No, I that, see, that's where we agree, in that in the first episode, I, I mean, and I guess this is typical of something that Joss Whedon corrects, um, he, that not at that not that he corrects it's something that he creates is here we are figure it out that's yeah. that's his he he creates these spectacular worlds and if the last episode had been even the second episode right it would have created a foundation where you're picking up and you're like okay this is why or i can see you know, that this is a soldier from the future. I can see what they're trying to do here. Who knows about this? But there's just, I feel like the way they did it is, here's a bunch of people, figure it out. And just as you're kind of getting a handle on it, boom, are you watching the right show? Double check. Because we were talking. Yeah, we were talking. And I said, I'm 
not sure this is the Nevers. Yeah. And some of this information I just feel was so vital to the understanding of, and I feel like you're almost just, you're out clevering yourself, if you know mm. what I mean. Like, like for example, um, Amalia throws the word Galanthe around in episode five, like she's talking about it like a hot dog or something. Right. And like, we're all supposed to know what the heck she's talking about. It's not until episode six at the end that you realize she has explained this to the doctor, to Mm -hmm. penance, to a few other people. We're sort of in the know this whole time, but we were locked out. And, and I don't, I just don't think that's fair or right to lock us out of something vital like that. And the other thing is we are so confused by malady throughout the entire show. And she does this fake hanging thing in episode five. That's supposed to be, this real hard hitting <gasps> gaspy moment. And right. none of us are gasping because we're so confused. And when you realize who Malady actually is and her place in the show, if you had known that episode one, that hanging would have been totally different because right. you realize that, that Amalia threw Malady under the bus or the Victorian carriage, if you will. She threw <laughs> Malady under the horse. And, uh, and, and when you know that information, you start to look at Amalia different. You start to look at Malady different. You realize that Malady is cray cray because of Amalia. Exactly. And, and it's maybe, heartbreaking. It's it heartbreaking when you see that because at the time, like throughout the entire run of the first four episodes, Malady's the big bad or the big bad that they're aware of. Obviously, there's also members of high society. There's also the beggar king that are that is involved. But when you see Malady, quote unquote, die and then it's revealed she didn't die. It's like, all right. Sure. OK, whatever. Yeah, it's like that. That was clever. Am um, I supposed to care? Exactly. It's like I. I didn't think she was that vital to the show. She could either live or die. If she died, it would have been like, okay, but she lived. And it's like, so she's just going to run out being crazy. But then you get to the sixth episode and it explains everything. And you you come to dislike Amalia. And this is another problem that I have is because I feel like if that had been the first episode it would have made for the whole rest of the show to be Amalia's redemption arc Mm -hmm. where, you know, she knew that she wronged Malady who was named Sarah knew that she wronged Sarah and was trying to make up for it by the orphanage through penance, through allowing penance to save Malady. That would have, that would have been different. You know what I mean? So everything that they have in this show, all the parts and pieces for me work. It's just, they put the puzzle together the wrong way. And I think if they had aired the episodes in a different order, designed it to start in the future and then jump to the past. Yeah, this is, this is, this is my life. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we are, uh, we're having a thunderstorm right now. So that is like the, you know, that really gets them all. It's like, it's thunder guys. Calm down. You got to bark at it. You got to bark at it. If they bark at it, maybe it will go away Mm -hmm. or not. Well, that being said, I feel like we need a different cut of this show. HBO, yes. please make a, a three-speech cut of the Nevers. <laughs> we'll uh, do it. We'll do right. it. We just yeah. need the tools and someone. We can just tell someone what to do. Right. I need the I need the computer processing power, the know-how, or yes. I need to hire someone. Yes. Um, I mean, we could put it in order. I think I just picture us with like a board and we have index cards and we're like, oh. move this scene here. Right. No. That, and, yeah, I could do that. Sure. Yeah, and then we give it to someone with the know-how to do that because. You know, this is part one of season one, and there's, you know, supposed to be another six episodes that accompany this. And from what I've read, people were excited about it. So I feel like I'm an outlier in that I was like, ugh. But I will most likely watch it when it comes back just to see if it can recover because obviously the show went through uh covid yeah which, it really it really and shows. it showed it showed with this particular uh 
And then you also had uh, the showrunner, Joss Whedon, stepping down in the middle of it. So it has right. two strikes against it to begin with. I guess when you put it that way, they probably did the best they could with the garbage they had. But Yeah, you know, and like... so here's to hoping now that the world's getting better, that this show will continue to do better and create a cohesive story with all of the different elements that they've established. Amen. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's end it there. That sounds let's, good. That's, that's positive because we're about to go whoop way oh, down. We're about to go off a cliff. That's okay, right. Yeah. So so from Jupiter's Legacy, which was sort of our high point, to the Nevers, mm-hmm. which is sort of our medium point. Yeah, medium. Let's go to Army of the Dead, which is so much of a low point, we're practically in the center of the Earth. <laughs> and It um, had such promise. It you know really what? did. Yeah, that's a good place to start. It did have such promise. And the idea of a cool zombie Vegas heist movie, like zombies mixed with Mission Impossible, would have been so freaking cool. But I think this movie suffered from the throw everything at the wall and see what sticks approach to a movie mm-hmm. making strategy. And 90% of what they threw at the wall stuck, unfortunately, and thus it all went into the movie. And so you end up with zombie pregnancy, baby abortion tactics. I don't even yeah. know what that was. It was okay. So- and here's here's the thing that I forgot, and it came to me um, the last time we talked. So Zack Snyder directed this, and he is the he's the let's put it this way he's the king of bloated filmmaking. His movies are always longer than they should be, except Dawn of the Dead. So you were really hoping that 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 this is his genre. He was going to shine. No, but I forgot that in Dawn of the Dead, remember, they she Uh gave birth to Uh a baby. Uh Yeah, he's obsessed with zombie babies. It's a weird thing to like include in every zombie movie that you do. Yeah, and it's also a weird thing to include a zombie romance. Yes. I I wasn't digging the zombie romance. I wasn't digging the fact that there was the zombie pregnancy. And then the other thing that really did me in was the stories on top of stories on top of stories. Like, we didn't need the mom to go in to get money to save her children. And then we didn't need... We didn't need Dave Batista's daughter to go in to rescue the mom because ultimately that storyline went nowhere, got everyone right. killed, and she didn't even check on the mom at the end after the helicopter crashed, you know? Right, it was- and it like Dave Batista and his daughter are using this mission as a way to try to reconnect. It's like, Dad, let's go to lunch, okay? Right. I'll go to lunch. I get it. You killed my mom. She was a zombie. I forgive you. We don't need to go into a quarantined city full of zombies in Mm -hmm. order for us to work out our differences. And that kind of thing that you're discussing kept happening. It happened with the, um, I think her name was Maria, the woman who he had known from the first first time they were in the the zombies. Yeah, because they were, and for those that didn't watch it, they were like superstars because they were able to help quarantine the city of Vegas. Right. So they got like congressional medals of freedom and everything. So I didn't even know there was like a romance between them until she died. <laughs> yeah, it was literally like, I love you. I've always wanted to be with you. Neck broken dead. And I was like, yeah. well, what the what was the point of that? That was so- Yeah. And and there was like no build up to no. this love and I don't know. Like the best part, and this is what I wish the movie had more of, was um, I love the German guy. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say, was it Dieter cracking the safe? Because that was yes, my- yes, Dieter cracking the safe, and them keep going up to get more zombies to try to uh, ensure that there were no sort of uh, tricks or anything that would go off, and yep. the different zombies just like being annihilated as they walk to the safe. Yep, that was my favorite part, too. And then he's trying to crack the safe, and the guy who was with him, I can't remember his name now. Uh, but Vanderhoe. Yes. Because he kept calling him Mr. Vanderhoe. Yeah, just sitting there with his headphones on, just watching very politely, and then everybody else shows up, and he's like, guys, be quiet. He's <laughs> like, I need one hour. And, of course, like, you have this 
they're running against time because we're going to nuke this city. And, and here we, we mo- go with the additional subplots. Like we said, the subplots right. on top of subplots because you also had um, you also had the guy who worked for Tanaka coming in trying to get the head of a, a an alpha zombie because right. that they wanted to make more alpha zombies later. You also had the 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 skeezy security guard who was yeah. Vaguely sexually, yeah, yeah, sexually assaulting the women or whatever, and in then the, in the detention centers where it's so like, can it you like, can you not hit us over the head with yeah. <laughs> with the metaphors and the parallels here? Thank you. It was just thing on top of thing on top of thing, and uh, it was just so much of it was completely unnecessary. All you needed was zombie heist movie in Vegas, and we all would have been fine with that. You didn't need Gita. You didn't need uh, Bert, the skeevy security guard. You didn't no. need the Maria love story. You didn't need the daughter, period. Maybe have the daughter be outside, you know, wringing her hands, waiting for him to come out, realizing that she is about to lose her dad, who she hasn't talked to in a few years, and she's regretting that decision. Great, fine, whatever. Just yeah, why just is she her- there? Another thing they didn't need because it wasn't cool. The concept of it was cool. The zombie tiger. They should have, when they created it, they should have been like, oh, never mind. Never mind. We're not going to do that because it looks horrible. Yeah, it didn't look great. I I was actually kind of happy it didn't look great because I don't like the idea of the zombie kitty. And the fact that it looks so fake made me be able yeah. to detach from it a little bit. But yeah, you're right. They didn't need that either. And I don't know, just so much of this was just bloat. And it just, I don't know, it was a giant mess. It was a there, giant- was, there was a good movie in there. And I feel like if you could take away all of the excess of it it would be so much better and you can already see no this is not a spoiler because there have been i don't even know how many of the dead movies but they're setting it up for a sequel i'm not sure if it's going to happen but one of the individuals is on a plane he develops uh symptoms and guess what we're gonna have uh mexican zombies the next time around because the plane's going to land in Mexico. Right. Right. Yeah. It, and not only that, like they also show another helicopter coming to get survivors from the, um, helicopter crash site. Yes. And at the helicopter crash site, you have multiple dead alpha zombies, which could in theory also be used by Tanaka if that's what he really wanted. I mean, my assumption was that that helicopter coming in to save Kate was actually Tanaka and he's going to take the Alpha's body and then the maybe the other person who got bit there uh, to go do experiments with, you know? So you have multiple avenues for a sequel that nobody probably wants right now. <laughs> right, and I, I think, and this is me also throwing it to dinosaurs, um, the ridiculousness that was Fallen Kingdom in that whenever we get our hands on anything, we just want to turn them into weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. So it's like, here's an Indoraptor. We're going to use it to fight terrorism. And then with the alpha zombies, it's like, we're going to use them to fight terrorism. And and we're going to use them as, as you know, uh, you know, missiles, we're going to use them with missiles. We're going to put them on the ground. It's like, it's ridiculous. And you know what this is? What? It's a trope. Ah, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I think, you know, I know we've talked about it a lot. We also have to talk about the fact that Tig Nataro was digitally inserted into the film which is something i didn't know when i was watching it and i guess apparently a lot of people you included were sort of looking for the mistakes and the blurring and the dead pixels and all the different weird things that happened with this when they tried to add this character in um i honestly didn't notice any of it but i i probably wasn't paying enough attention to really care to notice any of it um tig as a character didn't bother me i thought she was kind of you know, kooky and clever in a, in a movie that needed kooky. Um, but I think it was entirely unnecessary to spend the millions of dollars to digitally add her to a movie to replace a character 
who was in, embroiled in what a sexual assault or a scandal yes. or something like that. Yeah, he's he's an individual who so he's a stand-up comic named Chris Elia. I haven't really seen him in in much um not that I've been looking for him but I guess there were some questions regarding uh underage activities which is which is a, you know obviously it, that's horrible but it, I, I I was it necessary to go this route I I don't know I mean I didn't even know Chris whatever his name was was involved in anything bad I wouldn't have recognized him exactly you know it was it just seems strange the whole thing just seems overkill maybe I'm not sure no and I mean not knowing much about him, I mean, Tig did a great job. She's, I've seen her stand up um, a few times. She's very funny. I think she came across uh, very dry. That's how her comedy is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very glib. And you either get it or you don't. And, you know, I thought she did very well in this role, but it's just kind of one of those things where it's weird that we're just erasing people's performances now and it's weird that you have someone in a movie who's never met any of their cast members right right and and it's weird that we would spend millions of dollars to do all of this right so i i don't know but even when we talked when we talk about it like i know this was done for all the money in the world with kevin spacey i read recently that kevin spacey booked a movie so i guess it's okay like we're willing to overlook accusations so oh no yeah so they spent all of that money digitally removing him from a move from all the money in the world and now he's allowed to act in movies again after like a, a couple of years well people's memories are very short in this day and age so yeah. i'm not gonna say it surprises me but i'm not exactly pleased either you know exactly um so that being said we went from two thumbs up to jupiter's legacy to maybe two thumbs sideways on the never yeah i would give this one a rousing uh 65 thumbs down oh it it's so so bad i'm glad that i i didn't pay to go see it Mm -hmm. i'm glad it was on netflix i'm thankful that I was able to use the pause function many times during we this. Couldn't, we couldn't even watch the whole movie in one day. We actually oh. started watching it one day and we had to finish it the next day because it was just that bad. I watched it in three parts oh, because boy. I watched it and then I'm like, oh, I still have all this time left. I still have like an hour and 40 minutes left. Right. So, so it was like two hour, two and a half hours long or something. Yeah. So it's like I paused it. I went out. I ran errands. I came back. I watched it a little more. Like it just wasn't it was compelling me to finish it. Not yeah. com- I wasn't interested in what was going to happen. Um, It was just like, well, what are they going to do with this now? I, I, Yeah. I mean. Yeah. You shouldn't be surprised when people double cross other people in the movie. You can see it coming a mile away. Um, yeah, I mean. What's the old quote? Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, know what you're getting into. It's not the it's not the worst movie I've seen. It's definitely not the best, but it's definitely below average um, for yeah. me. Yeah, I think the first time we recorded this, you said... Watch this movie while you're doing something else. Yes. I think that's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, that being said, shall I bring up the outro music? Oh, yeah. All right. So we are now going to talk about what we are looking forward to. And uh, I've got a couple of these because Game Pass is dropping some new games on us soon. Um, one of them is today. So I'm probably going to be trying this tonight. But there is a game uh, called Slime Rancher, which is coming out. Uh, where you get to be a rancher and you have slime people, slime I'm little just, slimes. I'm just picturing Slimer from Ghostbusters wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah, sure, that's a that's a decent visual. Yeah, thank you. Um, but I, I'm not really sure what this game is about, so I'm gonna give it a try. And then they're also releasing a uh, an RPG, which is a role playing game that's based. It's sort of like a D&D game, and I know you know D&D, Lynn. It's called Solasta, <laughs> which I might be saying wrong, but I'm definitely going to try that one, too, because in this day and age, 
just getting lost in a fantasy universe is sometimes a very needed thing. Yes, that sometimes the best medicine. Yeah. And speaking of disappearing into places that are worse than where you are, A Quiet Place 2 comes out this Memorial Day weekend. It is coming out in the theaters. Um, that will be... I've been reading early reviews. It looks good. It's... Um, very exciting. It's one of those movies that have been postponed because of the pandemic. Let's hope it's worth it. I'm hope I'm really hoping it is. It's definitely something I'm going to go see. If not in the theaters and maybe at a drive-in. Yeah, I'm thinking drive-in for us yeah. too. We, def- we want to see this one too. We really like the first one, so we're we're hoping. We're hoping that Hollywood hasn't forgotten how to make movies over the pandemic because some <laughs> of these things have been very sketchy. <laughs> exactly. But well, we did it. We did it. We did another show. We're coming in around the same time that we did last time. So, we, so we thought we were going to be way short, but we're not. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening today. As always, please remember to like, follow and subscribe. We are on all kinds of different podcasting networks now, including Apple Podcasts. And we are we have a Facebook. We have a Twitter. We have an Instagram. You can find us on social media. Just look for three speech and look for the blue bear pictures. And uh, thank you again for listening today.